RPG lessons learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. We are at RPG LL Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, RPGLLPodcast at gmail.com, and check us out online at RPGLessonsLearned.com. Welcome to RPG Lessons Learned, the show where you can learn from our mistakes. With me as usual is Brian. Hey, Dusty. How's it going? It's going well. And Mike. Hey, Dusty. And today, we are live streaming, and I'm looking at a 360 camera, so how odd... Brian, that people could come back and be in RFC Studios with us. Yeah, I know. Looking at your magnificent, if I may say so, Transformers yes. collection. Thank you, thank you. And uh, and and sitting around the table with us, Brian. After the fact, once this goes out as a podcast episode, where might someone find this 360 video? Well, this is a test. <laughs> first and foremost, <laughs> uh, this camera is known to overheat. Oh. So this is the first time that I will be using the camera for a protracted period of time. Is it a Samsung camera? <laughs> will it explode? <laughs> it is a Samsung camera. <laughs> so we'll see. But it'll be at facebook.com slash podcast. Can, right. can I make the obvious joke? So so with the, the 360 camera, when, when we sit around the table in RFC Studios, we really sit, sit around, around the, the table. table. Because we're all fat. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So today is episode 52. That's a full year of RPG LL. A full year. Um, not quite our anniversary. Our anniversary will ob- obviously be episode 53. But still, this is year end. And we're going to treat this as the fiscal year end for RPG LL. So what we've done for today's show is we've all identified our favorite, personal favorite, and our personal least favorite, our personal worst shows. And uh, Mike cheated and identified my worst show as his worst show, too. I'm not original. (laughs) So what we're going to do is we're going to start off with the worst. So we'll start with Brian. We'll cover Brian's worst and Mike's worst and my worst, which are the same. And then we'll cover everyone's best. And then we'll talk about some lessons learned at the end. But we're going to use this as kind of a cap on the year of after a full year of RPG LL, you know, what have we learned? So, Brian, let's start with you. So for me, the episode that I picked as the worst, <clears throat> which is uh, episode 22. Uh, so early on, especially, but still, uh, there's the ongoing joke. That's not a joke that I don't necessarily always remember the game as well mm. as I should have. And other than the one episode that I just flat out refused to be on because I couldn't remember what happened a few <laughs> yeah. weeks back, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the Episode 22, the PvP arena, the gladiatorial combat, is probably the one that exemplifies me not having a clue as to actually what happened in the game. Because I just did not remember. I just had to piece things together, which sometimes happens based on the fragments of your memories. And then I sort of synthesized a new memory based on what was going on and just not not my best episode. So if RPG Lessons Learned were a sci-fi movie, that episode would have been your Total Recall? Yeah, Total Recall or Fifty First Dates. What's wrong with Total Recall? No, 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 uh, no, no. I'm not saying worst. I'm just saying where he, where he's, he's synthesizing events oh, that may or may not have happened. Fifty First Dates is sci-fi, right? Close enough. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So that, I mean, in my mind, that exemplifies. All right. The, so, so it's your worst. It's, it's my worst. Yeah, it's your worst because you're tired of the what's frankly become a trope on the show of you not remembering. Why? Well, and I didn't. And it was <laughs> it, it was a, it was especially a challenge for me to do that episode because. 
my memory of that was pretty darn limited. So have you re-listened to it and cringed at every moment when you said- I'm afraid to. Uh, now, I've, I've re-listened to a lot of episodes lately, especially early episodes, and I'm surprised by how fairly darn good they sound, uh, but that's what I don't want to listen to. Interesting. Okay, so Brian's worst. And then lessons to be learned from that are how do you overcome that in the future? Uh, we need to focus on games that I remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ironically, do you remember that we recorded that game? We had two separate recorders. I, you, we used yours and we used my H4N. Yep. And we did separates because it was a bracketed tournament. So initially we had a, a fight at one end of the table with, on one recorder and a fight on the other end of the table on another recorder. So ironically, we had recorded that game. So We didn't go back and listen, though. You know what we should do? Go back and listen. Go back and listen. And then do another episode. And then do another yep. episode. I think that's a great idea. That's not a bad idea at all. How, it'd be how, your, your personal Groundhog Day of, of redoing episode, what was it, 22? Yeah, I mean, as as podcasters know, it's not it's it's pretty darn regular that at least once in your podcasting career you have to go back and re-record an episode, so... It 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 would just be interesting to purposefully go back and have a uh, like a special edition of that podcast. Do we know how those recordings came out? Since we were trying to record, they're fine. Two games, so it's it's where you you actually can listen to it and tell what's going on. It's not a bunch of. I mean, your noise. brain's able your brain's able to get rid of noise anyway. That's good. Pretty point. well. Yeah, we would never put it out. I wasn't thinking about that. I was just you know if it's if it was salvageable recording to. Uh, I'm sure for it analysis. Is. I'm yeah. sure it is. I mean, I, I went back and listened to it when I extracted the files. Okay. I, I don't remember just recoiling that it was so awful. Okay. okay. I, I like that idea. We should do that. All right, Mike. What's your worst episode? So I stole yours because I'm unoriginal. <laughs> and um, so I'll also tell on myself, I, uh, I have not done such a good job of going back and listening to the episodes. So I really struggled coming up with something not only that was worse, but... I was having to, to reflect on how I felt after the episode immediately after recording it rather than reflecting on the actual content of the episode. And when I was looking at the episode list, the one you had marked uh, struck me as the one that I had the least positive feeling of after recording. Um, so that would be episode 44, and that's going to be our data-driven retrospective over the Pathfinder Beginner Box campaign. Yeah, so I, I also chose that one. I chose it because I was coming from a place of good intentions. I had some data. I had the amount of XP that I'd given out over the campaign. I had the amount of gold pieces that I'd given out over the campaign. I graphed it, and in graphing it, I was able to compose a fairly interesting email yep. to Brian and Mike, but it wasn't enough to carry an episode. Now, having said that, having said that, a huge revelation came out of that episode for me. Yep. So in, in experiencing that episode firsthand, I still felt okay putting it out there on the internet because I had this huge discovery that you know, I'd been kind of making fun of the CR system. And then I was like, wait a minute, I've kind of not been following it. I've been making fun of it because I've sort of been following it, but not really following it and not following it to the point of, you know, planning out how my game levels up, which, you know, you could argue RPGs shouldn't have to do that and GM shouldn't have to do that. But you know what? In D20 games, with, with if you're using experience leveling and not milestone leveling, yes, you do. Yes, you do have to do that. So I was criticizing the game for a core mechanic that I wasn't executing correctly. It's your classic, you know, Pepcac or ID10T error where I'm complaining and, you know, raising, raising Kane over an issue that's, that's my own user error. So didn't like it because the data-driven stuff, it just fell flat. 
listening to the episode, you know, I listen on my commute to our own podcast. Um, and listening to that one, I was just cringing the whole time. Like, oh, this is just coming off weird. We're referring to charts that listeners can't see. And, you know, some of the data stuff just isn't that revelatory or it's just that there's just nothing to say about it. I, I talk about what the data shows and there's really no commentary to be had. So huge lesson learned for me. No more episodes that have, have to be visual. No more episodes that refer to charts and graphs. You know, I would do that episode differently. So yeah, that, that's the worst episode. I think uh, I think my feedback is kind of similar. I, th- I think probably why I thought it was the worst was I was pretty hyped for that episode, right? Um, we had data. We, we had real evidence we could point to and say to of here's places where we can improve. Here's where we can do things differently. And then it, it just didn't translate to radio, right? So if, if we had done like a video PowerPoint where we, where we narrated over slides and walk people through slides and had like pointing to on slides and then threw it up on YouTube, I think it could work out. But I, that would feel like too much like being at a conference for me. That's kind of why I was hyped about it, right? It was like, here's our chance to do like a conference type presentation on Dungeons and Dragons where we've gathered this data over this hobby where we're just playing this game. And, and it, I was at a conference last year. Yeah. And the opening slide said in like this medieval font, conquering dragons with statistics. It was the saddest thing. And I don't know that. I mean, I was being paid to go to that. I don't think I would sit through a conference like that for free of my own volition. Even if you were into D&D? Even if it was D&D. So, so maybe not a conference, maybe maybe not a place, but if if you stumbled onto this video where these guys have just assembled this data and laid it out in a, a PowerPoint presentation that's like 15 minutes, would you would you stick through it? So probably not. Okay. So in, in hindsight, I, if, if the video told me how to go about doing that for my own uh, games, yes. If it was instructive, yes. But as... Something that is strictly just a retrospective on their own game. I think that would probably, I don't, yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, that's what our podcast is. Yeah. And I think we, I think we do that in an interesting way, but I think when it comes to how we break it down or how we talk about it, but once you start introducing charts, it becomes work. And I just don't know that, I don't know that I would enjoy watching that. So for me, my, my degree is actually in technical writing. And I, I remember the rhetorical situation where you, you worry about your purpose, your audience, and your context. And for us, the context of a podcast is generally, well, of course, it's audio only, but it's generally someone's commuting or someone is, you know, doing a task with their hands and they've got some earbuds in when you know, they're listening to you. I have listened to many a podcast while mowing the lawn. Yeah. I've listened to many a podcast while doing dishes or folding laundry. So that's the context of a podcast is when you're a little bit distracted. And a retrospective episode where we're recapping real lessons from real games has value in that context. Turning it into a video where now you've got to pay attention with your eyes. You can't be mowing the lawn. You can't yeah. be driving to work. You can't be doing dishes or folding laundry. All of a sudden, it's a different thing. And good point. And that's what that's video series that do really well. They're visual and they're showing you something and you're engaged and they're a lot shorter than a half an hour. They're, you know, three to five minutes. You know what I just noticed? What's that? 
Brian's worst episode, least favorite episode, episode 22. Our least favorite, episode 44. Episode 66 is going to be terrible. Cursed. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Uh oh. Yeah. So evidently, every 22 episodes, we, uh, we, 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 we lay a real brick. He's putting, that, he's putting that big brain to work. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's a sign. It's a sign. All right. Brian, what's your favorite episode? So I just changed it up. So I was really, I've been reflecting on this all day. So it's not just like a last minute thing. So uh, I'll say this. I, I, I identified a couple of honorable mentions, but one was really close to being my favorite. And sitting here thinking about it, putting it all on the line, I'm going to go ahead. And, and, and I, I can't say the one that I wanted to say is my favorite because I, I don't think it's my favorite episode. It just helped me vent more. I was going to say our Dusk episode, which was episode six, was my favorite. But it was just cathartic for me more than anything. And I think that exchange, text exchange we had with Chris yesterday where he was talking about, we just need to go back and play that game again, sort of just sort of solidified for me that I, I don't think that's my favorite episode. Go back and make things right. Yeah, I think the episode, and again, from the one I draw the most satisfaction from is uh, brainstorming on the goal. Mm-hmm. And the reason being, one, it was, it was, it was, it was hard. We didn't, it, it required thought, which was fun. It was collaborative between us. But I think more than any other episode we've done, we got a lot of uh, feedback and conversation, including from the publisher of the book we were talking about. Yeah. And that was, and, and they, I, tw- I tweeted, we actually exchanged tweets today, uh, which was cool. So um, I, I, I just drew the most satisfaction from that. Yeah, not everybody agreed with what we, what we said or how we approached it, which was awesome, which was the point. Yeah, and I think, yeah. looking back on it, Having recently reread and re-listened to the goal myself, I've I read it. Like I said, I read it every time things that work. I go. got a new. I got a new edition of it today. You already have that edition, but <laughs> yeah, I got the, the graphic novel edition. Yeah. I, I'm a I'm a fanboy for the goal. I'm a fanboy for theory of constraints. And going back and I actually got the audiobook for the first time, Brian, on your recommendation. The audiobook's is like amazing. It's good music and background noise and a full cast. Like I hate full cast audiobooks, but I love that one. <laughs> it's really good. Anyway. Hmm. And on Brian's recommendation, I went and got the audiobook and listened to that. And going back, I think we were probably misguided in some of our goal conversation, but but correct in most of it. And correct in the hu- and then the revelation, you know, arguably not huge, but interesting when you put that spin on it, that the GM is the bottleneck. Anything that takes the GM's attention makes the session longer. Yeah. Yeah. So that that that's an interesting way of looking at it, and it's a lot of GM advice revolves around that concept without stating it. So I think if you reframed a lot of the GM advice that's out there, oh, I just had a thought. So I I totally agree with what you're saying, and I was going back and listening to another in preparation for this. I've been going back and listening to the to old episodes, and an episode that we talked about, which was episode, um, the board games part two, which was mm-hmm. episode eleven. 11. <laughs> we're doing we're doing multiples of 11. <laughs> that 11, 22, 44. We talked about a player that we were dealing with who yeah. uh, basically was actively working against the GM, which is why that just added to the bottleneck, which is one of the reasons it made that such a frustrating yep. interaction oh, yeah. was because it was actively making the game worse, again, because he was working against the GM. He was drawing my attention. He was hogging my attention. I had to spend an inordinate amount of time 
dealing with his shenanigans instead of letting everyone else play. Yeah. Yep. And and if you try to get one over on the GM, you're not hurting the GM, you're hurting the other players. Yep. yep. Never invited that person back. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so the goal. Yeah, Dusk being an honorable mention I, I like, but but the goal is a solid episode that I'm glad you put out there. I had another yeah. honorable mention, not because I thought it was the best or I thought it was the worst, but I have the most mixed feelings about it. I just want to mention it. It's, it falls between best and worst, if you don't mind me hogging the mic for a second. Please. No, absolutely not. Which was the dropped Call to Cthulhu episode. Yeah. Because it was, it's an interesting episode, but I really feel in a lot of ways we just vented the whole episode. And we, we in the episode before we kind of did as well, or the ep- or two episodes before when we talked about Mace, but I enjoy it. It, w- it was thought provoking, but it just feels, it does feel kind of whiny in hindsight. Yeah, I felt terrible that, at the time, right, we had the one episode on Mace where I was frustrated with the overall Mace experience. And then we had the next episode about the drop called Cthulhu. And I don't know, man. I, I just, at that, at that same time, Tanner had gone to a catacon and he, you know, his Twitter feed was full of these amazing games that he played at a catacon. And here we are having had a pretty rough con experience. And it's like, gosh, are we just negative people? I don't think so. I think we're pretty positive. We, we generally we laugh a lot. We 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 laugh. We love. We live. We laugh. We love. We live. You know uh, that, that that says it all, Brian. That that's. I'm kind of a negative person. <laughs> well, I don't know, Mike. I disagree with you. No, you, you laugh a lot. I laugh a lot, but you're I'm a, cynical. You're a, you're a sarcastic person. Yeah, but you're you're not a hopeless person. You don't you don't consider you're not a nihilist. That's true. Anyway, um, Brian, I'm with you. The, the drop called Cthulhu. I'm glad we put it out there. I'm glad we got it off our chest. I'm glad we talked about it. People I like that episode. People like the episode, and there's a lot to be learned from that episode, but it felt self-indulgent. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. But yeah. you know what's weird, though? Uh, and I, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm going to alienate some people, and I, I've gotten beyond caring with this platform. So much of what I see on Twitter that gets lots of attention and gets lots of retweets Drama. is incredibly self-indulgent. Oh, yeah. And are, are we from a generation where we're just a little bit, you know, we're... we're you guys are certainly not millennials. I am on the very first year you could possibly be a millennial, so I'm arguably a millennial. Are we in that that the last generation of like the self putting self indulgent stuff out there on the internet just feels weird? You know, Dusty, there are standards by which we are millennials. Just yes. let you know. No, absolutely. Just yeah. let you know. Wow. Yeah. That yeah, seventy nine is actually by a lot is of it? people's measurements it, the starting. Depends. Yeah. There are like fifteen different scales, and yeah. the one that is most generous says yes. Eh. Most it, say no. And that scale, well, everyone's we had, we a, had a childhood before the internet. Yes, yes absolutely. the internet came along in our adolescence and not our childhood. I was yeah. an adult. Yeah, so I was. I was a teenager when I was first on the internet. So yeah, I was. I was ninth grade, so I would have been twelve, thirteen. Yeah, yeah. I had, anyway. a web, I had a web TV when I was nineteen. That was my first. Internet. That doesn't count. I know. <laughs> but but I, I think you make a good point, right? I, I think between the three of us, we are more guarded of what we put out there on the internet ourselves. I think Brian's probably the least guarded because he does the I'm, whole. I am the most guarded now. I used to be well, the least guarded after you got doxed. Yeah. Well, I mean, not even that. Just I when I first got on the internet, I posted whatever I thought, thought to yeah. whoever I thought. I was complete argumentative. Yeah. I was a troll. I yeah. was a terrible person in the late 1990s on the internet. And that's yeah. a lesson that I think people forget today. Like I, I see the self-indulgent stuff and I see the total villainization of people that disagree with you. Like this, this guy is an inhuman villain because he disagrees with me on this one point. People change. Yeah. People change. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. I've changed tremendously. My political views same here have changed tremendously and throughout my adulthood people change and there's a lack of recognition of that and the self-indulgent stuff just feels weird and and that's why in that episode i kept pausing it to say this guy did a lot of work this guy's heart was in the right place he was trying to give us a great experience but it didn't work out and here's why yeah all right i actually almost chose that as my best episode because for me yeah for my best because for me I felt that episode was super cathartic for me. That allowed me a chance to get all the negative emotions I had about uh, about about Mace out of my system, and specifically about that game. It it gave me a chance to to say what I needed to say and kind of have it said and be done. But the one thing I'll also say about that episode: we never wrote that letter. That's true. We didn't. We yeah. just we, we time whatever. We just didn't. Yeah. So. But that, that, that's ultimately what kept me from not choosing it as, as our my best. So one thing that was good about that episode is, and, and this will sound arrogant and I don't mean it to, I'm not a fantastic GM. The show is built on the concept that I'm not a fantastic GM. I'm not putting myself out there like the GMs of other podcasts saying, I'm amazing, you should all learn from me. Yep. I'm doing the opposite of that. I'm saying you should learn from what I screw up versus what I get right. Having said that, I am at least... I'm at least okay. Yeah. I give you that. And if I'm, (laughs) yeah. And if I'm at least an okay GM, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you guys those true GM horror stories that let you completely go off on me. Right. Because I'm, I'm middle of the road. I'm, I'm fair to Midland with some good moments and that makes it really tough to blast me. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the show needed, needed a bit of blasting to show that we can, we can do it. All right. So, Brian, any more honorable mentions? Uh, that was it. Anyway, I, I did find the chat finally on Facebook. If you're... Oh, there is a chat. Oh, hey, chats. Nobody's there now. but Oh, there you left. Yeah. Aw. Someone was here. You should have smashed that like button. Okay. So anyway, so Mike, your, your personal favorite episode. My personal favorite episode was the, uh, the player interview where you interviewed Brian and I. And uh, I think that the reason that that's my favorite is for a very simple reason. Um, and it's kind of related to something you always say. I think that was the probably the first episode where we've done the best job of helping you minimize talking a lot. And it was also, I think, the first real episode where Brian and I had a truly sustained dialogue between the two of us. Because I think we had some really good back and forth conversations between us in answering the questions you were putting out to us. That's true. That episode was a lot of you guys, and it was great to listen to. Yeah. And even in that episode, I found moments I'm cringing in the drive, driving to work because there are moments where I'm, you know, Brian's talking and I go, and I step in and talk over. And I'm like, oh, what Dusty, are you talking about, stop. Dusty, huh? What? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we purposely, I'm going last for a reason on this show, or on this episode, I mean, because I want you guys to talk more and I want to talk over you less. So, yeah. good call. I think that's also a great episode because we've been playing together for years and that show, that episode really highlights for, for even experienced GMs. Hey, this is a conversation worth having. This is a calibration worth doing because I've been playing with these guys for years and I learned stuff. Yeah. I I think it was also a good chance for us as players to kind of take an episode to think of how much we've changed as players, you know, how, how much has Brian grown in adopting role-playing and, and actually feeling out and thinking through characters? 
how much have I not grown and that I still can't get over my gamer brain and I try and solve everything like a flipping Zelda puzzle. So I, I, I think it was probably one of my favorite episodes. Brian, anything to add to that? One thing I really love about that episode is that we completely were right and you were wrong. We wanted to do one where we tag team the interview and you wanted to have a one-off interview with each of us. Absolutely. And we said, it'll be better this way. You know, obviously we can't go back and look at the parallel universe where we did two episodes instead of the one, but I have to say, I don't think that they would be as good as the one that we did. I yep. think, I think you're right. And you were right. wrong. Yeah. And I, and I was wrong. <laughs> that happens frequently. It happens to all of us, but I just love rubbing it in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was a good. I almost picked that as uh, a fav- as my favorite. It, it was a really good episode. It was re- it's very listenable. All right, so my best episode is one that neither of you guys chose. It's actually the Tomb of Horrors episode. That's the one that I found myself most re-listening to, and it's hard for me to even put my finger on why I like it. I think I like it because. It's so easy to conflate good sessions with good episodes. Mm. An episode about a great session becomes conflated in our minds as a great episode. I think that's a great episode about an okay session because it took us three sessions to get through Tomb of Horrors. It started off fun. By the end, it was a drag, but we got a great episode out of it. And I love talking about our take on, hey, it's okay to turn a game into a concept game. It's okay to, to, to... have a setup for an insane experience that Gary Gygax wrote, you know, in the early seventies and, and turn that into this fun house experience where everyone has backup characters yep, and basically macros for dealing with doors, you know, pre-programmed <laughs> sets of instructions that are just handed to the GM of here's what we do for every door. Um, it's, it's okay to do that kind of thing at your table and have fun with it. And it's okay to introduce some variety into your gaming. Not every single session has to be a super serious campaign. So I I have just listened to that episode quite a few times as, for me, everything that's best about our show. I really liked in that episode specifically how you called out, if I remember correctly, someone, a a writer, I guess, or game designer's criticism on... John Wick. Yeah, Yeah. on that that specific uh, campaign. And I just... I mean, I find stuff like that. I mean, that's information that's not rattling around in my head. So, and it's something that I don't specifically have context for. So as, even as like a fan of RPGs or as a listener, for me, that was information that I was able to glean from that episode that I didn't have just from playing the game. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And, and Jeffrey Russell, the writer that we referenced in that episode that did the Dungeoneers series from which I drew my inspiration for this idea of dwarves that specialize in clearing dungeons and they have a whole company and carts and all that, you know, a whole business model around that. That was really fun. All right. So we've covered all of our best and worst episodes. What? So, so Brian, I know you made some notes about the audio lessons that we've learned lessons about our audio quality or podcasting in general. Yeah. True. Do you want to go into those? Yeah. So I, just some things that I've done or learned from this that I really enjoy. One, I get to spend more time with you guys. Aww. That is sweet. That is sweet, yeah. Uh, So I have expanded the studio a little bit in the course of doing this. I've had to learn how to... Um, I went back and listened to the first episode when it was just me and Dusty, and I don't know what microphone you were using, but it sounded like crap. Like, mm-hmm. I literally don't know what microphone you were using because I shouldn't have a microphone. I mean, it was probably that one over there, 
but I don't know why. That's a really nice microphone, but for whatever reason, it did not sound good. I mean, at the time, I guess it sounded okay, but comparing it to a newer episode, it just sounded pretty awful. Um, but uh, I've done quite a bit of expanding. I actually bought mics for you two guys originally, and I'll talk about the the, the equipment in case anybody cares, because I do know that uh, at least one listener, Jason Kirk, he's interested in the stuff. So I bought Shure PG48s, which is the PG model is the Shure microphone, like lesser in from their SM line, but it's still a good quality microphone. And so those mics run about $45, which considering it's just a plain, ordinary dynamic microphone, no special guts or anything, $45 is actually pretty good because you don't have to worry about the electronics or the USB or anything like that. It's just a, basically you're pay, paying for the capsule and a tube. So it's actually a pretty good mic, but I wasn't pleased with the sound. So I realized that I had these nice um, Audio-Technica mics that uh, were basically in the closet, and I pulled those out, and it really helped. Of course, I was never satisfied, so I ended up adding uh, mic processors, yep. <laughs> uh, which I just added the third one this week. So now we are all have a pretty decent mic processor Yeah, on I it. feel terrible that, that you keep spending it. I love it. We're, I'm addicted. We are so bad at enabling Brian yes, at expanding you his just give audio me, give equipment. Just me, give me an excuse to buy like a... Like a barber chair or something next (laughs) which was a long like 15 20 years ago 15 years ago mike and jason told me that i needed to buy a basically a barber chair just just because just because basically inserting that thought into my head so that i would actually do it because that's how my brain works um but yeah so while i've done multi-mic recording stuff for years it's always been mixed down to one channel but to get this to sound really good i've wanted to have discrete channels so i bought a um I bought a uh, audio interface that has four discrete channels, so I can actually tweak and control each of our levels in- independently. Which, you know, I've really enjoyed. I, this is just basically Brian spending money right now. That's what we're talking about. But, <laughs> I, but like I've been like again, people not listening. I've been doing this for a long time. My first job was in radio, which was twenty years ago almost that yeah. I started doing that. I, I stopped doing it four or five years ago. But I've been doing the podcast or the ho- home produced radio show stuff going back to 1999 so i've done a little little bit of everything and i've done it well and i've done it wrong and you learn as you go and you it's you never stop improving honestly i've listened to podcasts where the hosts claim to be obsessed with their audio quality and it's nowhere near as good as brian what you put out every week with rfc and happy daily i appreciate it and thankfully this show oh yeah uh but uh, things i've learned Again, when you have different mics for everybody, you just complicate matters. It's best to have as consistent equipment as possible, even though um, one mic may sweeten a voice differently than another. It's still better to have the same equipment for everybody, which I don't have. Um, other things, I just little funny things I've, I've learned. Dogs are more likely to bark and cats are more likely to walk up to the door and meow when there are more people in the room recording a podcast. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, editing is my friend. That's something I've learned. Uh, yeah, initially you weren't editing. You were only truncating silence. Yeah, yeah. no, I go in and tweak now. I, I, and I again, I make the joke, but it's true. I go in and make myself sound less dumb. Um, you know, people but, but, watch. But hang on, hang on, hang on. You're speeding through these. <laughs> what What's the journey from not editing to editing? What's the moment where you're like, you know, I should edit these? Well, so here's the thing. I do my uh, big show live to tape, and again, we talked about it before. The audience anticipates that if I flub up, it's a joke. Ha ha ha. 
we laugh about it and move on. In my mind, I want this to sound more erudite. I want it to sound more NPR-like. So I want to have a good, clean sound with people who sound like they know what they're talking about. So I edit it. So let's be honest. I think it probably started with me in one episode back where I was saying disparaging things about certain people. And that was when the editing first began. I don't want to, I don't want to give the episode away because, you know, we, we edited out some comments on purpose. I don't think that's the case, no? but it could be. Okay. I'm not saying it's not. I just don't remember that being the impetus for it. Cause, cause that was the first episode I ever remember you saying, I need to actually go back and edit some stuff because I had said some things I probably shouldn't have. Yeah, I mean, like I edit stuff. But I don't like I don't normally go like the other show, like if somebody drops swear that I don't like or something. And I, I really rebuke those guys if, if they do something like that, because I do not want to go and edit that show. But I actually enjoy doing this one. So it's it, I, I, it's a chance to this show and another show that I do and actually all the other shows. But that one are a chance to do something different and hone different skills mm. because there's always room to improve. No matter how long you've been doing something, no matter, you know, how good you think you are, you can get better. Yeah, that's true. And I, I love the moments when you move beyond improving and you actually start innovating. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Go ahead, Brian. Um, I mean, so just I'll, or I'll reiterate something that I said earlier. Like I was I went back and listened to some old episodes and I was surprised by how good they sounded from not only from a content perspective, but again, from like an audio perspective. But I think if you go back and listen to it, again, you constantly improve. You go back and listen to the last couple episodes. They sound so much better, not just from, a, you know, the audio level or, or the audio quality, but just also from, I think, the way that we're able to present information logically and concisely. Um, I think we've come a long way in these 52 episodes. I agree. I think so, too. I think doing a podcast has made me a better talker and presenter at work. Mm. Like, just trying to think a few seconds ahead of what you're speaking. And, and even that sounded terrible. So I'm talking about how, <laughs> how much better it's made me while I, while I screw it up in the moment, but having to think about the points and how to put them together while you're talking at the same time and having to think a few seconds ahead has been a skill that's already helped me it, out. It's like, again, podcast hosting a podcast has made me a better meet, meeting host. I just run a meeting at work. Like it's a podcast complete with jokes and you do yeah. it, you do it too. I've seen you do it. Well, yeah. I, I told you yeah. I run I run a, I run a meeting like a D and D session. Yes, and you've you've now we've been in meetings together, Brian and I. We've, like we 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 haven't for years. We haven't all for of years. A sudden, yeah, we're working on a project together, and Brian, you see me call on people. Yes, like when it's your turn to to give an answer, I'm not you know waiting for you to know it's your turn to give an answer. I'm like I'm just gonna make some names up. Like like John, that's an interesting point that Sarah just made. And I'll restate it because John was probably in his laptop. Mm-hmm. And then John, what's your take on that? And then I get the answer that I need. So I run, I run a meeting like a D and D session. Yeah, make maybe. me a Constitution check. Yeah, yeah. Mike, what uh, what lessons have you did, have you captured that you want to talk about? So I uh, I feel I really only had two big lessons to really talk about in our in our fifty two week uh, fiscal year show. So the, the primary lesson I wanted to, to bring up is something I think we, we actually talked about in not too many episodes ago, but it's something that's really resonated with me. And it's something I really want to see going forward in our games is that, uh, players need consequences for decisions and actions. And without those consequences, there's no risk and only reward. 
So I think a lot of times our games, when they go off track, when we when we get into to situations where the game may not be as beneficial or as good as it could be, I think it's because we're not seeing consequences for our actions. That's good feedback. And what was your second point? Uh, my second one was that um, I need to do my homework. I think <laughs> I've said that like six times now in six different episodes, and it's certainly true. I mean, it was it was almost true for this episode, too. I uh, I had some stuff happen Sunday night where I, I wasn't in email, and then I, I didn't see this until uh, the night before. And, you know, midday during the day, sitting at my desk eating lunch, trying to pop out my homework for this, it's... Uh, is something I personally need to get better at for myself and for the benefit of the podcast. But, like, is it just a podcast that you approach no, that he, way? He means games. No, I mean, no, I'm sorry. That's yeah. what I mean. Is it just games that you approach that way, or do you approach everything in life that way? Because people tend to approach it's either all or nothing. I probably need to do a better job of approaching everything in life so that way. So maybe games yeah. can be a place to start, but in, until you make that like a more. Um, God, I really, really hate the word holistic, but until you make it, yeah. you know, part of a bigger program, I don't know that it's going to work. That's a good point. So taking your, I needed a minute to think about your feedback about the consequences. I agree with you. I think when, uh, and not, I'm not calling Nathan out, but when Nathan was running his crime syndicate and he would use his two main henchmen, lefty and righty to try to get into some, you know, try to get information or, or get some advantage or whatever. I could have played that very differently when Lefty and Righty failed. Yep. And I probably should have gotten Lefty and Righty into a lot of trouble. Oh yeah. When they failed, possibly even killed. Yeah. So that that's a that's a good takeaway for me that I I keep thinking I do a good job of that. I keep thinking I do a good job of you know the dice fall where they may. But at the same time, you know I I do I can yes and too much. I'm not sure if it's yes anding as much as I think what we get into guilty of our in our games is we throw out a lot of offhanded comments of of poking the bear. You know, how far how far can I test the the GM? What kind of silly stuff can I say offhand? And then I'll rely on the GM to be like, do you really want to do that? Because I know that's happened quite a bit in our game where where we'll throw stuff out and we'll throw it off to you as a suggestion and, and and then, you know, we'll we'll see your original reaction and then we'll be like, Oh no, 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 we didn't really mean that. What I really want to do. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think we Let's watch for that in a moment. Yeah. Let's let's watch for that even on Thursday in a couple of days and and see how our next game goes. Yeah. So good feedback. I didn't capture any feedback on, on primary lessons learned or anything like that, but there have been a couple lessons from the show that have really resonated with me. And one lesson that has really, really resonated with me is, Mike, from when we talked about your games. And and the title of the episode was, If You're Going Too Slow, Slow Down. Mm. That was episode 14. Yep. And that's the episode where we had the revelation that adventures work in role-playing games when you zoom in incredibly far, when you zoom in on these personal moments. And that's what leads to decisions like when we all played in DM Scotty's game and we were not rating the, the urns for the jewels and he was completely taken aback. Yeah. Like you guys are not cracking open these urns and rating these jewels. And we're like, nah, man, that, that's desecrating graves. That, that feels wrong. Yeah. And it was us, it was us three plus Chris. So it was four people from our game 
at this table of, you know, six or seven people. So we were probably the tastemakers for the session. And once we said that, everyone else was like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't want to break these urns open either. And that's the way the session went. And for me, you only get character-driven decisions like that where you're thinking about, you know what? As a person around a table, I want the loot. I want all the loots. As a character in this game, standing in this mausoleum, I would never break open this urn. Yeah. And that's a lesson that has hugely resonated with me as a GM that we talked about and that we discovered on the show. And I've not heard any other, you know, I've not seen any essays or heard any other podcasts talking about zooming in really far, zooming in from the battle or from the geopolitical, really zooming in on the characters as a way to really drive role play. But it's resonated with me and it's resonated with me and, and we haven't discussed it very much. We've discussed it's okay to metagame a yeah. lot. Oh, yeah. We've discussed consequences and all that and let the dice fall where they may. And we've discussed, you know, showing AC and hit points to speed things along. And we've talked about all that stuff. We haven't touched on you almost can't zoom in far enough enough for, for how interesting that is. And as I say that, Brian zooms in, <laughs> zooms the 360 in directly on, on my face. I love that idea. So at the time when we talked about it, because you were basically citing a, a wrestling truism. Yeah. yeah if, if you think you're going too slow, slow down. Yeah. And at the time I thought, yeah, yes. But when you add that Sumohu game context or perspective on it, yeah, you're exactly right. It's true. Yeah, and we don't talk about that enough. No, we don't. Yeah. All right. So this was our fiscal year end podcast where we kind of recap the previous year. The next episode, episode 53, that will be our true anniversary podcast. At that point, the podcast will be one year old, so to speak. So Brian, are, is it is it too much meta for us to talk about the future of the podcast? I, I want to talk about the future of the podcast. Or... Um, and I just want to put the options out there. So I, I hear what you're saying and I validate it, but let me put another option out there. Or do we, do we quote unquote, start the year off right with a good, classic, well-executed episode about one of our games? Max thinks that we need to focus on one of the games. <laughs> um, you know, talking about the future of the podcast, we've done that before. At some point, I want to talk about the future of our game. What happens? Yeah. yeah. But but I don't want to have too many meta episodes in a row. No, 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 no. Um, I think that having a good old-fashioned episode of RPGLL probably makes the most sense. But I really, really, really want to get into that meta episode about what happens to our game in the future. Are we still playing to get together in 20 years? If, if, we're, if you move away or I move away, are we still playing in 20 years? That is a fascinating Dude, or, or longer. Do we arrange to all be in the same retirement home? So we can keep the game going. <laughs> you know, I we've joked before about like owning a compound. Yep. And I I'm not joking, I would do that. I would like buy like ten acres of land and uh, we could all just live together. I'm trying to imagine how much Susan would hate that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. In all seriousness, um so next episode, why don't we check back in on our Savage Worlds East Texas University campaign? We'll do We'll start the year off right. We'll start we'll start the year as we mean to go on with a really good, high-quality recap, high energy, good lessons learned, and we'll keep moving from there. Sounds good. All right. Thank you for listening. And, and hey, thank you for listening for the past year of RPGLL. It's been a lot of fun. If you listen, it's an honor. 
and we hope you enjoy it. Please uh, send that feedback in. We'd love to hear it. That's rpgllpodcast at gmail.com, rpgllpodcast on Twitter and Instagram, and Facebook for that matter. So let us know what you think. Love to hear from you. Thank you for listening. People call them postmortems, evaluations, appraisals, reviews, retrospectives. We call them lessons learned, and we're sharing ours with you.